Once you live in the 716, Buffalo sports is ingrained in your soul. No matter where you are, we always remember the roots that helped us grow. Don't let where you live or the people around you stop you from showing your Buffalo pride. Join us Buffalonians as we talk all things sports in the 716 on the Buffalo Loyal Podcast. Circles the way, like the Buffalo Bills. I'm your host, Nick English, alongside my co-host, Andrew Ogwich. No matter where we are, no matter the heartbreak, we will always remain Buffalo loyal. This is the Buffalo Loyal Podcast. We appreciate everyone for tuning in each and every week, as always. A uh, bit of a bummer weekend for Buffalo sports um, in general. Sabres lose both their games on the back-of-back against the Carolina Hurricanes and the Tampa Bay Lightning while also uh, losing Rasmus Dahlin. We don't know how long. We'll talk, dive into that um, a little bit later. But the headline for today is the Bills losing yesterday 20-17 to uh, to the New York Jets. Just an absolutely abysmal performance by the team and I think the bigger concern right now amongst all of Bill's Mafia is Josh Allen's health on his elbow Um, so we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that I know Sean McDermott just addressed the media saying they need to kind of wait till tomorrow for further evaluation as of right now it seems like we might have escaped something major but we still don't know yet um, but with all that being said, I'm going to let Andrew hop on here and give his State of the Union. Uh, we talked yesterday after the game, um, and I think Andrew was ready to sell the franchise, trade Josh Allen, and burn the whole place down. Uh, 24 hours later, let's let's welcome the man in and see, uh, see where his head's at. Yeah, I'm not in a good place, Nick. Uh, you were hoping I would have calmed down by now, but uh, I'm not. Uh, the floor is yours. Shit sucks, dude. Like, we're in a rough spot. This team is in a rough spot. Um, That game was terrible. Every, like, there wasn't one bright spot about that game. Now, granted, right, like, Last year they had – it seems like every year they have one or two of these games where just like nothing is goes right, right? Like Jacksonville was that game last year, um, right? We've got the Jets game. Yes, they're 6-2. and two, But those two losses are in the division. Let's start with the offense. Offense played like shit. Have been for six quarters now. Josh is unsettled. He's running for his life. Clearly doesn't trust his offensive line. Uh, Diggs had, what, 92 yards in the first half, then gets goose-egged in the second half. The other receivers can't do anything. Absolutely useless. They're terrible. I'd rather have Charles Clay out there than Gabriel Davis at this point. Fucking Gabriel Davis has been useless, terrible this season. He's had a couple good catches here and there, but what else has he done to prove that he should be a wide receiver too? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's no support in this passing game outside of Stephon Diggs. 
Isaiah McKenzie, a little bit here and there, but he can't hold the load by himself, the, the workload by himself. Jamison Crowder's been out. Khalil, Sh- Khalil Shakir isn't getting any looks, so he's not helping anything. Dawson Knox has completely disappeared from this offense. I don't know if that's what we're seeing, you know, what the coaches are seeing in in practice. If they know that the offensive line is a joke, so he has to help block. But that's not true because he's running out. He's going out for routes. He's going out for passes. Josh just isn't throwing him the ball. So he's been useless. Like the passing game, which is supposed to be your bread and butter for this offense, right? They're supposed to throw all over defenses. Is doing nothing. They're throwing up all over themselves. The running game is decent, but it's mostly your quarterback. Singletary is was starting to show some promise, starting to show um, some improvement, but that's not enough. James Cook has some flashes of doing well, but you don't drop plays for him. How is he supposed to develop and contribute to this offense if you don't make plays for him? There's only random plays at the end of a game or something like that. Like, So that's been completely useless. This offense is so unorganized and so sloppy. The turnovers are out of control this year. They have the third most turnovers of any offense. Red, red zone offense is abysmal. It just third most turnovers in the NFL, seven on own half of the field, five in the red zone, three on opening possession. That's not going to win you games. That's definitely not going to win you the Super Bowl. It's so sloppy from going from a team that would know what each other was thinking and could tear up teams to. having the third most turnovers in the NFL, not able to score in your own red zone, dropping passes, not able to get open, not able to give your quarterback time. So he has to play hero ball. Now he's hurt. Who knows how long he's going to be out for. What are we doing? (laughs) What? Play call, the play calls have been uninspiring. They've lost their touch. First couple games were fun, exciting, right? New play caller. Let's see what we get. Now it's just terrible. Offense could not get into a rhythm on Sunday. Totally abandoned, right? They were getting rushed. They were getting blitzed. That was busy in Josh's face. So instead of trying to combat that with, some bubble screens, some jet sweeps, some quick slants to try to get some momentum, get some balls into your receiver's hands. Again, they just threw up all over themselves. Like It was terrible. They could not do anything on Sunday. Josh had one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. It was bad. Even him taking hits and rushing for two touchdowns wasn't enough to kickstart his gameplay on Sunday. And now he's hurt. 
He's got a UCL injury again. At least that's what it looks like from all the Twitter doctors. Who knows how long he's going to be out. Everything we're seeing now on Twitter depends on who you believe or who you're reading. Probably not playing on Sunday. It could be anywhere from day-to-day to three to four games to who knows. This is not the first time he's had an injury like this. 2018, he had a very the, the same injury if it is a UCL. So things are not good. I'm very doom and gloom, if you can't tell. I'm worried. They're like, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't win another game. Sure, that sounds harsh and an overreaction, and it probably is, but right now that's where I'm at. Especially if fucking Case Keenum's gonna play quarterback. Josh bails out the offensive line how many times a game? Case Keenum is not bailing out this terrible offensive line. Case Keenum is going to get absolutely destroyed with this offensive line if they play the way they've been playing. We're going to see Matt Barkley before we probably see Josh again. You're 0-2 in your own division. Teams are only getting closer to your heels. I just, I don't know. I want to believe they're going to pull it out, but the way they've been playing, I mean, the wide receivers just don't give a shit. There's no, I've I said this a couple times to you, Nick, like there's just, there was no determination. There was no motivation. There was no like anything. Like it just was such a pathetic game from start to finish. It was awful. They looked like they did not want to play. I just, I don't, I don't know what happened, right? Like they, they preach over and over again that they're not reading into the hype. They see what is said about them being Super Bowl favorites and the team to beat. And you're right. They've got a, um, a target on their backs, but that doesn't matter. They're motivated. They're going to go out and play. Sure hasn't looked like it since the bye week. You had a a good quarter and a half against Green Bay, and that's completely gone. Completely gone. So I don't know what it's going to take to turn this around. And that's just offense. I don't even go on about the defense. I mean, I don't think you can blame the defense too much for Sunday's loss. They held the team to 20 yards. Missed a shit ton of tackles, but that's nothing new. They haven't really been able to tackle that well all season. They're super injured. That's not getting any better. So now Greg Rousseau's week to week with a high ankle sprain. So that's awesome. And Oliver's banged up. Who knows how long Matt Milano's going to be out for still. Poyer's still injured. Sean McDermott says they're looking good. Who knows what the hell that means? He's super cryptic when he talks. Trey, who knows when he's going to come back? Sean said today and his media present uh, media time that still not ready to play. So how much longer are we going to wait for Trey to be ready to go? Like I just guys aren't stepping up. Like they stepped up a little bit at the beginning of the season, but now it's just like, it's too much for them. They can't handle the workload they're getting. It's clearly not good enough. It's just unacceptable, lazy, mushy. Like they just, this team just looks mushy. 
Like, I know that's a weird way of describing it, but it's just like, it's not good. Like this team, the way they look right now, the way that they've looked the last six quarters are not winning a Super Bowl. They might not even make it to the playoffs or out of the first round of the playoffs if they're lucky to get a wild card bid. Because so at this point, I don't know if they're winning the division. You're 0-2 in the division. It's not going to get easier from here. One seed, probably out of grass if you if Josh is out for a couple weeks. So what are you going to do? You got to be you got to get lucky and back your way into a playoff spot and just ride momentum. Good luck with that. So I, I just <sighs> super disappointed that it's not the way the season was supposed to go. That's not the way Sunday was supposed to go. Just uninspiring play just unacceptable rant well i'm gonna try to provide some good perspective um while i do generally agree with pretty much everything you just said um outside of that they will not win another game because that's just not gonna happen play that fucking right now um gonna beat they're not beating minnesota you know that much i mean they got rounds the lions they still have the Bears still. They have the Patriots twice. Listen, before I say anything, a lot of this has to do with Josh's health. It A lot of what's going to go on the rest of the year is contingent on what 17's health is with his arm. Um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to pretend to be a Twitter doctor like half these clowns there right now. Half the people are saying he's not going to miss any time. Half the people are saying he's going to need Tommy John surgery. Um, so very similar to what happened against the Houston Texans when I believe it was Watt and Clowney kind of hit him. You know, next play he tries to throw the ball, clearly can't, in thriable pain, has to go off the field, can't continue. And you kind of saw that, right? He gets the hit, strip fumble, we recover it. Next play, he tries to throw it, doesn't really go anywhere near anyone. He kind of shakes out the arm. But then the next play, he uncorks a 65-yarder on the money right through Gabriel Davis's hands and in the face mask. So that made me feel a little bit better because I feel like if it was way worse than that injury, he probably wasn't going to be able to do it that perfectly. Um, We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, it's still a day-to-day thing. Um, I don't think he's going to play this week, but who knows with Josh, you know, he's going to lobby to play. Um, I appreciate that he tried to take as much accountability as possible, um, but it wasn't just him yesterday. It was the whole team. I mean, the defense didn't play great, but again, they only allowed 20 points. And in my mind, they technically only allowed 13 because the second interception that Josh threw pretty much gifted them the ball at our own 20 yard line right after our defense was just out there for like eight minutes before Von Miller did what Von Miller got brought here and paid to do. Um, But having said all that before the season started, if someone was to tell you through eight games, the Buffalo bills were going to be six and two, we would be in first place in the division and we would be in first place in the AFC. Would you take that? 
Yeah. All right. Well, that's where the Bills are. And yes, you can look at the 0-2 in division. That's not good. That's not going to help you down the stretch. But you have four more games against your AFC East opponents. You can still go 4-2. and two. You still took care of your business early on in the season. You beat Kansas City. You own that head-to-head tiebreaker. You beat the Baltimore Ravens, and you kicked the shit out of the Tennessee Titans. We've talked about this week after week. I mean, you talked about it last week, Andrew, as far as, you know, sometimes it's not how you win. You just got to find a way to win the game, and it's the NFL, and anyone can win any given Sunday. Well, you know, the Chiefs lost earlier in the season to the Indianapolis Colts, who just fired everybody. They just brought Jeff Saturday off ESPN to be their next interim head coach. KC lost to that team. Like, we've already seen a bunch of other lot. Like, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost to the P.J. Walker-led Carolina Panthers, who just got blown out by the Cincinnati Bengals, who the Bengals just got blown out by the Browns the week before. The NFL is an ever-changing door, and if anything... All this tells you after this game is maybe the AFC is a lot closer than people think to just the Bills and the Chiefs being above everyone else. Because the Chiefs didn't play great last night against Malik Willis and the Tennessee Titans. They probably should have lost that game. There were a few calls that went their way, especially late in the game, a few holding calls that they should have gotten called for that didn't get called. Like, yes, it sucks. We played like shit yesterday. But at the same time, the Bills were 7-6 and six last year at one point. They got hot down the stretch. They even, even in the games against the Jets and the Falcons late in the year, yeah, we won, but we were sloppy. At the end of the day, the goal is to get into the playoffs. Would it be awesome for the Bills to be the one seed? Yes. That is still very much in front of them. They can still do it. If Josh is hurt, Probably not. You're probably going to have to kiss that dream goodbye. Division, you're 0-2, but you're still leading it. You still have four more games against them. You can still go 4-2. You can still win the division. But at the end of the day, the first thing this team needs to do is just find a way to make the playoffs. And right now, at 6-2, and you've put yourself in a really good position to do that. But at the same time, I mean, you look at the past few years, Kansas City had home field advantage last year. Did they make the Super Bowl? No. They lost to Cincinnati Bengals at home. How many times has Green Bay had the number one seed and everyone's like, oh, my God, you got to go through Lambeau, and then they barely ever make it out of the divisional round? Getting home field advantage would be great, but it's not a guarantee that the Bills are going to go to the Super Bowl. Would it probably be a little bit easier? Absolutely. No denying that. But at the same time, I don't think we should I don't think we need we should ignore this game. Like you said, the last six quarters of football by this offense is abysmal. And I'm gonna actually get to Brandon Bean in a second here. I have some questions about something, some of the decisions he's made. But at the same time, I don't want to act like the world is ending. We're still six and two. We're still a great football team. We went through fucking 17 years of losing and missing the playoffs and not even sniffing it. So, yes, we lost to the Jets. It sucks. We played like crap. 
But the Jets are also a much improved team. That defense is very legit. Spurs, you know, you don't want to correct the Jets, but they deserve a lot of credit for what they did yesterday. Their defense is very good. They were getting to the quarterback, making Josh feel uncomfortable. And if you know anything about the Bills and the Jets since Josh has been our starter, is for some reason, whenever we play at MetLife, it never seems to go great. His first year, he was hurt. Matt Barkley lit them up and we won. The next year, we remember, opened up against them. We were down 15 or 16-0. We come back and win. The following year, we win strictly on Tyler Bass field goals before finally last year we beat the shit out of them because Mike White was their starting quarterback. We've just played weird games against the Jets in MetLife. And like you said, it seems like the last few years, the Bills have a one or two game stretch every year where things just don't go right. It was the Jacksonville game last year. I mean, shit, I just had the timeline thing come up on my Facebook today of going to that game and watching that 9-6 to miserable game, that worst game I've ever been doing in my life. But we're still in good shape. Yes, we have to fix some stuff, but I would much rather be 6-2, and two, still have half a season in front of you to get it corrected. I believe in Josh. I believe in this offense. I believe in the defense. We're going to start hopefully getting some players back. Obviously, Rousseau going out for a few weeks isn't great, but it's going to allow a guy in A.J. Epinesa who's going to be looking for a new deal to step up. It's going to be looking for a Shaq Lawson to step up. You're going to get some guys with some opportunities who need to start playing hungrier than they did against the New York Jets. But if, hypothetically, Josh is hurt, at the end of the day, I'm under the impression if Josh is hurt and it would be better for him to sit out two to three weeks and then we would have him for the home stretch and into the playoffs, you need to do that. Even if he's lobbying that, you know, yeah, the elbow, I can, you know, I, I don't think I can play at 100%, but I want to be out there. I would rather have him sit for a few weeks and not jeopardize not only this season, but the long-term future. Yes, you might be sacrificing the one seed. That's something you're just going to have to fucking live with. Because the only good thing about this is if he is injured for, say, three weeks, call it three weeks, you have the Vikings, the Browns, and the Lions. Two of those games are NFC opponents. So if you happen to lose both of those, which I don't think they would lose both, I think they can still beat the Lions. The Vikings would be a very tough out. As far as determining seeding later in the year, those games aren't going to hurt you as much. And then you have the Browns and Jacoby Brissett, where one week they look great and the next week they look like shit. You're not playing against Deshaun Watson. You're playing against the Browns, and that game's at home. So is it tougher without 17 based on the way they've played the last six quarters? Absolutely. But, you know, we have to count on McDermott, Frazier, Dorsey, get it corrected. We've seen them overcome adversity before. This is a big opportunity for them to do it again, you know, it's it's a shitty situation, but at the end of the day, we're not two and six. We're not three and three. We're not some shitty ass record. We're still the number one team in the AFC right now, and we're still number one in our division despite being zero and two. 
And as far as the conference record goes, every single team, along with the Bills, with Kansas City, Tennessee, the Patriots, Dolphins, all them, they're all 4-2 and two in the conference just like the Bills. The team that has the most wins is actually the Jets at 5-3, and three, but they have that third loss. So, you know, yesterday was bad. Like you said, I, I don't understand. We How many times last year did we talk about not being able to run the ball and becoming one-dimensional? Like you saw against both Green Bay and Kansas City, Devin Singletary's ability to run the ball and pick up big chunks, and we're just completely going away from it. We saw James Cook have a couple nice carries against the Jets and start to get him involved, and then they completely went away from it. You know, I think another reason why we're having, I think the biggest reason we're having the, you know, reaction that we are to this game is A, you're 0-2 in the division, and B, it's just, the scores and the manner they played, we've been beating up so many teams throughout the year that we've just come accustomed. We're going to go into every single game and beat every, you know, every opponent by 20 points. It's just not going to happen. Every team that is playing the Buffalo bills, they're giving the bills their best shot because they're one of the top three teams in the NFL. Every team that you play is going to give you your absolute best shot because they want to make a statement that they can beat anybody. But, I mean, as far as the turnovers go, yeah, we have to clean that up 100%. If we do that the rest of the year, we will not win a Super Bowl. I 100% agree. But we weren't talking that much about, you know, the turnovers when we are beating the Rams 31-10. to We had four turnovers in that game, you know, the Steelers game, you know, I think there's a few fumbles in that game, but we beat them 38 to 3. We're not talking about that. You know, we beat the Chiefs. We had a couple turnovers in that game too, but we beat the Chiefs. So, like, yeah, we do need to clean up the turnover stuff, but let's not like act like it hasn't been happening all season and blow it up just on this game. It looks worse because we lost, but we have to clean it up. But I kind of want to get into like you pointed out, the guys not named Stephon Diggs because Stephon Diggs apparently is our only source of offense for, you know, right now because we went right at Sauce Gardner, first play, Diggs cooks them, and immediately in my head I'm thinking, oh, man, this could be one of those games where we blow them out. And then Josh makes a doy-doy play and throws the interception. He says he didn't see the guy. I don't really know how you didn't see that, but – Whatever, I'll take Josh for his word. Like you said, Gabriel Davis has immense talent. He, I think he's going to be a critical part of what Buffalo wants to do in the future. But right now, he hasn't lived up to the wide receiver two that they need him to be by letting Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley go. I mean, on the year, Gabe Davis only has 18 catches. That's not what you're looking out of for a wide receiver too. Stephon Diggs already has 60 catches. So, and I know Gabe Davis has missed some games and he does have a lot of yardage, but he's averaging 25 yards per catch. Like everyone was ready to crown him number wide receiver too. And I, I think I would probably put myself in that court category after that Steelers game. 
even against the Chiefs, you know, he had a great touchdown catch and had some big plays. Um, but the last few weeks, it's really shown that he's kind of right now a product of Stefan Diggs being so good that he was getting better matchups. But you saw what the Jets did. They let Sauce Gardner, gave him the first opportunity, Diggs cooked him, and then they said, we're not going to let that happen anymore. We're going to put Reed on him, and we're going to put safety help over the top, and we're going to let Sauce Gardner cover Gabriel Davis the entire game and see what you can do. And he he couldn't do anything. He dropped two balls, and for as much as I would argue – like, yes, you definitely could have called pass interference on that fourth and 21 last play because there was definitely some hand grabbing and he didn't turn at all. But he has to make that fucking catch, man. Hit him right in the hands. You got to catch the ball. Like, he has to step it up. I don't know what we're doing with Shakir. Like, you acquire Naheem Hines because, and I understand why he wasn't involved. He just got here. He's going to get involved these next few weeks. But. If he's not returning and stuff, I'd like to see him on the field before. Like, McKenzie, like you said, he's sporadic. Dawson Knox, like, I don't, where's he at? He's the fifth or sixth highest paid tight end in the NFL. He's not playing like it. I I really, and I want to get your opinion, do we think that Brandon Bean, like, talked at all to Ken Dorsey before signing both him and Isaiah McKenzie? Because you brought back McKenzie because when Beasley was out, he stepped up and played great. And Dawson Knox had a really, really good year last year. He was an X factor. He was making big plays for us all year long. Red zone threat. And we give them both. I mean, granted, McKenzie's is a small two-year deal. But he was kind of brought in to be the... Cole Beasley replacement. I'll tell you what, Cole Beasley is probably laughing right now from what we've done in the slot this year at home. And I know a lot of people don't like Cole Beasley, and I'm really not sad that he's gone, but he's got a point. And Dawson Knox, I love him as a person. I think he's a valuable asset to this offense, but I don't know if it's, is he not getting open? Is Are they just not drawing up plays for him? Was it, is it because he was still hurt and they're trying to work him back in? I don't know what it is, but for 14 or $15 million, what we're paying them, I feel like that's a conversation you need to have with Ken Dorsey of, hey, before we pay this guy, how do you view him being in your offense? Because this is your offense. This isn't Brian Dable's offense anymore. And when you pay Dawson Knox that kind of money, that's kind of signaling that he's your number two guy compared to Gabe Davis and McKenzie and all these other guys. Like, was that a conversation they even had? It really doesn't look like it. I mean, there's definitely some gross misuse of these players or lack of use in general, right? I mean, totally abandon any hint of jet sweeps with McKenzie. They did it once, maybe twice on Sunday, picked up 10 yards. I mean, it's we scored a touchdown on it against Green Bay last week, right? So I don't know why it's one and done in this offense. You can run plays more than once that work for you. I, I mean, the Dawson Knox is more of a head scratcher to me than Isaiah. Agreed. I mean, he signed a huge contract, 
played very well last year, right? I mean, look, I, I get you can't expect him to perform at the level he did last year every year. Understand that, right? There may be some regression, but. Well, and I think the beginning of the year, he he does get some slack with his brother and the injuries and sure. all that. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. But they're just not even going to him. Like, they're not even giving him a chance to prove himself one way or another. I can't even say that it's his fault or that he sucks. They're not even giving him a chance. They're, they are not – it's like he's not in their game plan. I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand what's happening there. They – like this offense is supposed to be your bread and butter. And it's a liability at this point. If Diggs has a bad day or the line is off again, like that you can't do anything on this offense. You score 17 points. That's not good. Like that's not good enough. And right, there's reports coming out now about. Odell Beckham and how he wants his next contract to be his last contract. He wants to retire to the next team he goes. I don't know if that's the Bills can't do that for him. They can't offer him that. So what seemed like a lock of him coming here and offering some help and uh, right some speed and another option for Josh, that might not happen. I don't know if it is as good of a fit as we all think it would be. Right, as much as Vaughn has pushed for it and all the recruiting that's happened. If Odell is serious about he wants his next stop to be his last stop, we can't offer him that. So maybe the potential hope that you or the help you were hoping to get for the second half of the season from Odell might not come. So you need guys to step up, but you have to also give them the chance to step up. Shakir's not really out there. He's just kind of running around when he is not even a a hint of looking towards him to make throws or make catches. It's just like, what, why? Like, it's so confusing. And that, cause then he put Josh in a position where he has to play hero ball. And we all know that can't happen every game from here on out. It just, I, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a head scratch of what's happened since this bye week. And you lose Isaiah Hodgins to the Giants. So that's another guy. I mean, Kumro, I like Kumro. He gives special teams value, but offensively, I mean, outside of when we killed Tennessee, like he hasn't, he's not like a big receiving threat. And how many times last year was Josh throwing the ball up to Dawson Knox on 50 50? Like part of the reason you pay Dawson Knox that kind of money is because you think he can go up and make the tight contested catches and win. 50-50 balls, and I just don't see what Dorsey's trying to – like, when we signed O.J. Howard in the offseason, everyone thought we were going to see double tight end all the time and, like, usage of the tight end, and everyone's amped about it. And now we're not seeing that at all. Um, I mean, on the Odell point, I'm, I'm not sure what that situation looks like. I don't know if it's – you know, a lot of teams are calling him, but maybe every team's telling him the same thing. Like, dude, like we want you, but like, we can't give you three, four years because you haven't proven to stay healthy. If you come here and help us win a Super Bowl, I'll be able, I'll be willing to give you that. But shit, the way Gabe Davis and them have been playing, maybe we do need to give him a two to three year deal because no one else is helping out Stefan Diggs. But I don't know. It's, it's a matter of what Ken Dorsey's trying to do. I'm, I really am interested to see what they can do with, Naheem Hines once he gets more acclimated because I do think he adds 
more of a receiving threat that Josh can use on check down. So he's not scrambling for his life all the time, but maybe Josh's injury, maybe there's a silver lining. Maybe, maybe this is going to force Ken Dorsey and the bills to show some adversity and find a way to run the fucking ball. And then maybe by the time Josh comes back, it's like, Oh, we actually have like a running and a passing attack. Like, do I think that's going to happen? I don't know. Like we, we get away from the run so quickly now that I just don't know what to think. Like as much as we want to rag on Singletary or cook, like it's hard to blame them when they're only getting five to six carries a game. But I mean, Devin Singletary is number two right now on your team in receptions. Like that can't happen. Not with what you want Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox and McKenzie to be for you. You, that just cannot happen at all. And I know, I think the defensively, like the run issue is clearly back because we can't stop anyone running, which will be a problem the next few games against Delvin Cook, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, and Jamal Williams. Throw Kareem Hunt in there with um, Chubb. Like, you got to get that figured out. And I saw a great point earlier. I think one of the main reasons why the Bills' run defense seemed so good up until the last two weeks, even in the Green Bay game a little bit, like we were getting up on teams so much that they had no choice but to throw the ball. Like Von Miller talked about in the Green Bay game, like they were more than happy to let Green Bay run the ball because – you're down 17 points. You want to take eight minutes off the clock and we play the bend don't break and we're going to hold you to three, like go for it. And then teams like the chiefs and, you know, even the dolphins for that matter, they have so much speed and talent at the wide receiver. And then for the chiefs in Mahomes, they, they just want to pass the ball. They don't want to run the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see if that's actually an issue. And when we don't get up on teams, teams are just going to run it down our throats or if it's something that's correctable. And without Greg Rousseau, who is one of your better run stoppers, it's going to show. And we've talked about this at nauseum before too, but Jordan Poyer should take Jaquan Johnson out to a nice steak restaurant, buy him whatever he wants, because Jaquan Johnson just made Jordan Poyer about $5 million more per season yesterday. I'll tell you that. Dude, can't tackle, can't, like, the first thing they teach you in peewee football is how many times about you have one guy running up the sideline, then you have your other line where you take the proper angle to make the tackle. This dude's just getting stiff-armed by Michael Carter and James Robinson, completely getting blown off the edge, misreading assignments. The guy you drafted in the third round you know, Matt Milano probably needs to walk into Brandon Bean's office and demand another $10 million because Terrell Bernard looked like a lost puppy yesterday. He was looking at Tremaine Edmonds every single play of like, what do I do? Like, I was surprised they didn't try to go to Dotson at all yesterday, personally. Like, injuries are a part of the game, and I do think, like, if we have Poyer, Milano, like those things do significantly matter because of how good they are, but it's just the NFL, man. Like you're going to have to go through injuries. And unfortunately for the bills, we've been on the shitty end of it this year where we're, we're just hit with the injury bug. And it doesn't seem like we're ever getting fully healthy. I mean, 
It seems like maybe we're going to get Milano, Poyer, and Trey back for the Vikings, but at the same time, you're losing Greg Rousseau and you're maybe losing Josh. We don't know. Um, you know, Case Keenum's an okay backup, but he's not going to light the world on fire. And like you said, the way the offensive line has been playing, you know, he's going to get killed if you try to run that. But again, you're going to have to change your offensive scheme up. Um, it just it just feels like they think they're smarter than everyone else and they can't they're not handling adversity right i mean they did a pretty good job the first few weeks of adapting and overcoming the crazy injuries they had right off the bat they figured out found ways to win but it just looks like they like used up all of their brain power already and like they just can't adapt to what's happening to them and again, right, like with offensive stuff, yeah, we weren't making these complaints and, you know, airing these grievances about them earlier in the season. But they were winning, right? Like, yes, they've only lost two games. I get that. But they look bad. And they're losing games they should not be losing to division rivals, making mistakes they should not be making. So, yeah, I mean, these frustrations were always there, but it was masked by winning, right? Winning fixes all. Winning cures all. But when you look this bad and you lose to a team that you clearly underestimated, you do not look prepared, like answers need to be or questions need to be answered. And, and this could all be mute if the Bills start Case Keenum and we beat the Vikings next week. Maybe. I don't know. Is Gabe Dave gonna Gabriel Davis gonna catch a ball? He's 54% catch rate. 50 Flip a coin. If it lands on heads, Gabe's going to drop the ball. Like, what? that's not good for your second wide receiver. Wide receiver two should not have a heads or tails chance of catching a football for you. Like, that's unacceptable. I don't know how. How is that happening? I think part of it goes back to not having any sort of threat to run the ball. That's I mean, when you have, like when, but that's not even that's not even like scheme. That's just straight up ability. Yeah. Like he is not catching the ball. Like his mechanics to catch the ball are bad. Like he is alligator mouth mouthing the ball. Like that's like, where did the drop off happen? Did he just forget how to catch a football? As a professional athlete who gets paid to catch footballs. He's just not doing it. I think it's wide receiver. I think it stems from a little bit of the Steelers and Chiefs game where he had the monster game and then he has a big catch against the Chiefs. And I bet you, honestly, I bet he was probably feeling himself a little bit like I'm the man, like I've arrived. And it's like, no, like that is the one thing I will say, despite everything, it is refreshing even after a loss, when you at least hear guys like Josh and Von Miller and Diggs speak, like they are very much aware that they haven't won fucking anything. Like there's accountability. Like Josh literally said, I played like shit. If I would have played, like if he doesn't throw that first interception, you score seven points, like it changes the whole game. So it's like, you look at little plays like that, it's like if Josh doesn't throw that interception, are we having this conversation right now? Maybe not, but that's the reality. That's the NFL. 
and it's just where we're at. You know, everyone, everyone's got to get better. Like it was bad. Even at the end of halftime, this bothered me so bad. Be going into halftime, the Bills get the ball back, and they're playing for three points. Why? You got you're up fourteen to three. Take a shot at the end zone. They're playing to get a kick a fifty five yard field goal, making no advances towards the end zone, and then Tyler Bass misses it. It's just like what happened to this aggressive style team who's going to make going to punish you. It doesn't matter how much time's on the clock; they're going to make things happen. Like that, that was gone going into halftime. Jets ran all over you. Put up a good, uh, good drive. Yeah, they, you know, the Bills defense stopped them and and only get three out of it. But like, there was that momentum shift. It was, it happened already. You had a prime opportunity to take some of that back going into halftime, right? Jets aren't going to double dip there because you scored. You interrupted them, and then again, you just throw up all over yourself. Terrible throws. You march down half the field and three passes, three plays there, and then you just stop. You're just trying to do dump offs to the middle of the field. One of them, Josh throws at Devin's feet. The other one was what a, a slant across the middle of the digs that he drops. And I think the third one's like the third Naheem one was Josh- Hines up the Naheem yeah. Hines up the sideline with Josh him. overthrew him, and then Josh just runs for six yards, and Tyler Bass misses the kick. It's just like uninspired play. Like what? you're not even giving your players a chance to prove themselves or get out of their own way. Like it just, everyone was bad on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I, I do want to credit Von Miller for, I mean, I know there's a few plays. I was like, dude, make a better effort. But I mean, when they need him to step up and make the play to like, kind of shut it down and give the bills a chance. Like he got him off the field and then Josh throws the pick. And I mean, shit, man, like, he had Diggs for another touchdown and he underthrew him and Diggs literally right after us pointing like, Hey, give yeah. me some more room to run under it. And we have another six. So um, I think we've kind of nauseated enough about this game. Yeah. Think- and look, let me, yes, I was very hard on them. I feel doom and gloom. I still love this team, right? I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to right? like, I still love this team. I still believe in them, but it's just, it's so frustrating when you had, yes, we lived through the drought. We've lived through this frustration and there's the, the hype, the buildup that this team is different. These stupid mistakes were not going to happen with this team. They're smarter. They're more talented than we've ever had. The coaching staff knows what they're doing, knows what the other team's doing before they know what they're doing. Like this is the team of destiny. This is the quarterback of destiny. He's the odds on MVP favorite. The, this team is the odds-on Super Bowl favorite. It's different this time. We're finally going to get over that hump. And then when they just run into wall after wall after wall and look like this, and it's injury after injury, mistake after mistake, like it's that frustration and disappointment creeps back in from your childhood, and it's so hard to stay positive. It's like, of course, right, I'll never stop believing in them and, and rooting for them and everything, but it's just like, it, it's so hard when it's just constant frustration, right? Like you, we can't get over, like just can't stop shooting ourselves in the foot. And it just seems like we can't win, right? Like it just, nothing will ever go right for this team. It's like, this was supposed to be different. So when you hit this roadblock, Oh, it's so frustrating. So that's where I'm at. 
I haven't sold my MVP futures yet for Josh. I thought about it. I thought about cashing in. I looked at it earlier when I saw the uh, reports that he might be out. I looked at cashing in on my Super Bowl future to get something back, but they're still still a standing. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, we long season to go. Everyone say a prayer for Josh's elbow. You know, give him send your elbow in the mail if you have to. Um, for him. They're prayer for his elbow and my mental health. <laughs> um, I would say typically this is normally where we would uh, preview the Vikings game. Um, I think it's a little bit hard to do that without knowing if Josh is going to play or not. Um, so, and I think we just nauseated how, what they need to fix. We know what they have to fix. We know what they need to do in the next game. Gabe Davis, the, the complimentary pieces outside of Stefan Diggs need to show up if Josh plays. And if Josh doesn't play, it's going to be a completely different game strip. They're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to win the line of scrimmage, and they're going to have to find a different way to win. But um, for my sake also, I kind of hope Josh is okay because I am coming home for this game. So if Josh doesn't play, that's going to be a real bummer, but uh, I'll still be there and still root for them. And maybe Case Keenum and Stephon Diggs can bring a little Music City Miracle back and get some revenge on their old team. But um, let's let's transition to the Sabres uh, to close out the show. Do we have to? Yes, because despite they did lose two games in a row, they lost to Carolina, they lost to Tampa. I was actually at the game Saturday. Um, as weird as it may sound, I actually came away more encouraged than I would have thought. Um, obviously the news today is Rasmus Dahlin is day to day. If you didn't watch the Carolina game, he got literally sucker punched in the head. He obviously has had some concussion issues in the past, so... Uh, when they announced an hour before the game I was going to in Tampa that he wasn't playing, very concerned, big bummer. But um, from all the reports today, he was watching practice. Um, Granado said he was day-to-day, and he still has a chance to play tomorrow versus um, Arizona. So those are good signs. Um, to me, if he had a concussion, you know, he probably wouldn't be out there around all the lights on the ice and being around his teammates. They'd probably want him isolated and kind of just chilling out. Um, so I think that's a good sign. Honestly, I don't think he's going to play tomorrow. Um, but I do expect him to play Thursday first Vegas. I think he's just going to be amped up and want to play that game. Um, also, I am going to that game too. So please, Rasmus, play. But um, no, like Carolina and Tampa, two really tough games. You really want to come away with some sort of points. They didn't. But I can't say that. I was disappointed in the effort or how they played. Like I thought they played pretty well in both games. I mean, the Carolina game was so hard to judge because both ways, man, the officiating in that game was just so bad and no team could get a rhythm. It was power play and penalty kill every other shift. You couldn't get lines going at all. They were flip-flopping lines to try to just get something going. I mean, you have a power play where point blank in front of the ref, Brent Burns just breaks Dylan Cousins' stick in half on a backdoor tap-in, and they don't call it. Like, it's hard to overcome those things. Um, And then in Tampa, I was there, like, 
There's a lot of Sabres fans there, I'll tell you that. Um, but minus Rasmus Dahlin, you walk in, play a team that's been to the Cup three straight years in a building that has the most consecutive sellouts in the NHL right now, and you really only lose by a goal. Yeah, I know that they lost 5-3, to three, but they got the empty netter. Like, they played with heart. They were physical. They weren't afraid of Tampa. They were getting in scrums. You know, Dylan Cousins, Skinner, and Tuck really had it going. Um, Paterka had a lot of chances that he didn't convert on. He had the breakaway late that you wish he would have put in. Um, And Eric Comrie, like, he even took ownership. He has to make that save when they're tied 3-3 three to three with five minutes left. Kind of lets a flubber go through. And the first goal of the game was a 5-0 goal. And it sucks because... He's been so good, man. Like, he made so many great saves in that Tampa game. And it's hard to be like, man, like, yeah, you made 10 great saves, but the one you let in was crucial. But I love that he owned up to it. Owen Power playing, like, just so awesome. Probably his best game as a Saber against Tampa. Uh, Labushkin just coming back, logging, like, 27 shifts. Uh, Jacob Bryson, same thing, like, they battled for one another, man. Like, yeah, they come away 0-2, but um, I was really, really, I don't know about you, but I was very encouraged with how they played. Yeah, it's not the results you wanted, but we talked about growing this year. Man, I was nothing but pleased with their efforts in both Carolina and Tampa, especially in a back-to-back and no Dolly in the second game. Very impressed. Yeah, I agree. They've been uh, they've been fun to watch. I mean, they like you said, they never stop battling. They may seem out of it for a period or two, but something clicks on them, and and right, like you can just say, see the kind of determination and what drive to score, right? Like, uh, especially like Darlene from the point on some of these shots, he just like really fires it in there, and like puts all he has like they they don't give up they they have um that drive and determination to to score and overcome being down or um prove that they're not out of game so yeah they've been a lot of fun to watch you can tell they love playing with each other and for each other um and that's uh i'm excited to continue to watch and see how they grow throughout the season because they they got a lot of a lot of fight in them and uh, a super talented roster um Right. I mean, defense needs a little work. They're banged up. They got to uh, be a little more consistent there. But um, I mean, the power play is still a joke. I That's the biggest I, thing they need to get fixed. Yeah. Like, if they could decline penalties like you can in the NFL, I, I think they should decline all power plays, just avoid them altogether because it's just not good. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I mean, they've been looking really well. I, I'm super happy with how they've come out this season and. Um. Yeah, it's uh, it's encouraging for sure. And they uh, released the goat heads today, and they are oh gorgeous. If Cannot. you haven't watched that hype video, um, the the lead up of putting a forty minute timer with just a bunch of random goats walking around a locker room with saber tooth just sitting in there. <laughs> those aren't those aren't just any goats. Those are Brandon Bean's pet goats. I saw a story about that. Those are Brandon Bean's pet goats. I saw the Sabres tweet that. Have three pet goats and just lend them to the Sabres. What? <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a nice little bright spot today. 
seeing those goat heads. So can't wait to get my hands on on uh, some goat head merch for sure. Although don't like the reverse retros. Too much white going on. Though the pants need to be a different color. So I'm I'm more on the um, I'm definitely in the minority here. I actually do like the white pants, but I do think you need to add a blue and gold stripe of some sort on there because you just have to add i understand the complaint of the white on white it's a little too much if you add a little color on it i don't think it would look as bad but we'll see they look like a like a european hockey league jersey like it just i don't know it was something off about them want to know yeah (laughs) but um yeah i mean the big the other thing is just like you think back to last year like you lose 5-0 in Tampa Bay being there like when Buffalo took the 3 to 2 lead like it wasn't like last year where Tampa fans were like oh yeah like whatever we got to, like there was some legitimate like oh shit like we might lose this game like it was it was a great atmosphere i really enjoyed myself the Tampa fans were very nice they were very respectful um had a really fun fun time yeah they lost but it was a great great game to be at um it does look like uh, they said today Okiaru's beginning to skate, hopefully by the end of this week. I know maybe last week they were counting on it, but holding on to him after the road trip. And then seems like Samuelson's probably still another couple weeks away. Um, but it is nice that Labushkin's back because when I saw in the lineup it was going to be him or Davies from Rochester, I was like, oh, God, this could get ugly really quickly. But guys are stepping up. They're, I, I also love that Don Granado's not afraid to – change lines up and just go with the hot hand i mean if you didn't see the lines today he moved middle stat to the wing on the top line with tage thompson and jj paterka and then you have tuck with cousins and skinner and then putting krebs back at center so he's not afraid to try things and get things going and i love that about him and i think again we've talked about it before this is a year to try to figure a lot of things out so um, really encouraging. They got a couple really tough games coming. You know, Arizona's been playing some good hockey, and then obviously the big games against Vegas Thursday and uh, uh, Boston on Saturday. So a couple really big home road or home stand tests for them. So we'll see how they respond in those games, and then uh, hopefully we'll get some good news tomorrow um, about Josh and. If it ends up being bad, maybe we'll have a emergency episode later in the week. But um, hopefully for right now, we're just going to hope on him maybe playing or maybe he's got to sit out for just one week or two and um, get him back healthy. Because at the end of the day, as bad as he played uh, Sunday and as bad as he played in the second half of the Green Bay game, this team goes as he goes. So um, that's pretty much going to do it. Hopefully next week will be a better week for uh, Buffalo sports. If you're a college basketball fan, go turn that on for a little bit. That started today. Um, But we appreciate everyone for tuning in as always. Please give us a follow on Instagram at the Buffalo oil podcast. If you haven't done so already, it would mean a lot to us. If you did, we appreciate all the support each and every week, doom, gloom, heartbreak, whatever it is. Um, Again, say a prayer for Josh's elbow and say a prayer for Andrew's mental health. But This has been the Buffalo Oil Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. What a connection. Allen and Diggs. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills.